Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Sydney Strader, Head of Customer Success at Catalyst. In this episode, we talked about what motivated Sydney to make the switch from a career in marketing to customer success, and how you can align compensation between sales and customer success. We also discussed her time at Envision and how they maximized value for their customers by taking renewals off the CS team's plate and how their hyper-growth masked churn and retention. Sydney also shared her number one challenge working at Catalyst and what a customer success team of a customer success platform looks like. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Sydney, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. For the listeners, Sydney is the head of customer success at Catalyst, and Catalyst combines beautiful design with modern technology to provide the most powerful customer success platform. Prior to Catalyst, Sydney started her career out in marketing at Candor College and made the switch to customer success in 2012 when she joined Polar Mobile. Sydney then went on to lead a team directly accountable for attention and fluitive, followed by the role of VP of customer success at Envision. So my first question for you, Sydney, is what motivated you to make the switch from a career in marketing to customer success? Uh, It was a little bit just truly coincidental at the time. So I went to school for marketing. uh, And when I got out of school, I was desperately looking for for a job, uh, as I think we all do following college and university. And uh, it just so happened that the opportunity that I had in front of me that I had interviewed for was uh, a support role um, at a tech startup in Toronto called Polar Mobile. And uh, I was just kind of like, look, I'd I'd rather take a job and try something uh, than than nothing at all. It, It was definitely a role that was up my alley in terms of working with people, customer facing, um, a lot of problem solving. So kind of check the box of, of things that I was just genuinely interested from, from the jobs that I had had uh, kind of part-time up until then. And uh, so that was kind of, you know, me just kind of trusting the world that this opportunity presented itself and, and they wanted to hire me. So I took it. Um, it was probably about a year into that role though, where I had been in support and I was like, look, I studied marketing and part of the agreement when I joined um, Polar was that I would move to the marketing team when they had an opportunity. And so uh, an opportunity did arise probably about a year in 
And uh, I moved over to the marketing team thinking that, you know, that's what I studied in school. So that's probably what I should have a career in, uh, only to be miserable after about two months of that job, not enjoying the pace, not enjoying kind of like the lack of crazy that I experienced in the support role, missing the customer facing motion and had, uh, you know, a conversation with my boss and the CEO and said, you know, I really felt like I thrived in that support role and I'd love to go back to it if you would be willing and open to doing that. I very much appreciate that they took a bet on me in marketing. And so uh, God bless them. They supported me through that and made a move back into support where I took on a bit more of a, I would say, customer success, traditional customer success uh, role at that time. But that was the the move from marketing to, uh, to CS. So when marketing CS, back to marketing, back to CS and have been in CS ever since. Very interesting. Uh, and uh, it's like sort of you studied this, so you felt you needed to do it, but going back into it, realizing sort of that pace, wanting to be around customers uh, and being able to maybe you're just enjoying a little bit more of the chaos, if you want to put it that way. Yes, definitely. Like just the overall rate and speed um, by which things come at you, uh, the dynamic between like, you know, reactive and and trying to have the best experience possible in a support role, but also how do you get proactive to prevent those experiences from happening uh, in the first place? So I definitely like the hustle of it, the dynamic, just the the complexities of the challenges and uh, just what felt like, you know, no two days were ever the same. uh, Definitely uh, gave me a lot of energy and excitement as well. Nice. Uh, and then you went on to uh, Influitive, it is, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe let us know a little bit what they did at the company. And then I want to dive into a little bit something that I read in your LinkedIn profile in relation to sort of you led a team directly responsible for retention at the company. So what does Influitive do? Yeah, so Influitive uh, was actually a category creator in advocate marketing. So the premise being that, you know, you have brands that you are uh, a raving fan of and you are very influential towards your peers in terms of, you know, kind of projecting those brands that you uh, have grown to to love and and influencing their buying behaviors as a result of your advocacy. So it was uh, a platform that was created to help enable um, organizations like the DocuSigns of the World, Okta, um, to mobilize their advocates to influence. Uh, the market in terms of their overall perception of the experience. So those are G2 crowds, driving case studies, driving references, referrals. Um, so that's what uh, Influitive was uh, created by, created for. And then from your side uh, at Influitive, you ended up, I think, was leading senior manager of advocacy coaches and you're managing a team of 11 who are directly accountable for retention uh, of Influitive's customer base. So could you talk us a little bit through that? Like, what was this team made up of? What was the typical, uh, like, actions, uh, daily work uh, for the team? Yeah, so the as you mentioned, the team was about a 11, I think at one point, and uh, it was a team that was responsible for retention. Uh, they also played a role in identifying growth and expansion opportunities as well. Um, the role itself primarily consisted of post-sale, uh, when a deal had been secured, uh, onboarding customers onto our platform. And uh, there was uh, two kind of components to that. There was the overall like product enablement and how to use our product, but also strategy. So building an advocate marketing strategy was a 
component of the customer success manager's role. And, you know, that required understanding, you know, the customer's business, understanding the persona of their customers, you know, who are their audience? Were they marketers? Were they um, sales professionals? Were they, you know, developers, engineers, uh, understanding those profiles, and then coming up with strategies to engage those audiences in a way that would produce advocacy or enable them to, to deliver advocacy to the market in the form of GD crowd reviews, references, case studies, et cetera. Um, so that was the, the general responsibility of the CSM was establishing a, a great relationship with these customers, truly understanding their business, um, helping prescribe strategies for them to execute a um, advocate marketing strategy that aligned to the goals that they were trying to drive for their business, often tied to revenue and, and expansion dollars. Um, and then helping, uh, you know, a customer leverage the product to be able to, uh, to see through the execution of that strategy. Yeah. And then this team was like accountable for retention. I'm interested how that played out in the organization. I think, cause this is something that we talked about a little bit on the show in terms of retention is a metric. It's an output metric that's influenced by so many different inputs from across the company. And, uh, a lot of times our customer success, if anything has the least input into those metrics. So how did you operate and how was the team accountable? What did that look like within the organization? Yeah, so um, we had a really tight partnership with sales and, and we did have um, metrics, you know, that were tied to the overall compensation of the customer success team in relation to retention uh, and I expansion dollars uh, as a way to incentivize them. I would also say that that was early in my career and, and I've, I've learned and evolved over time uh, different motivators for compensation and how best to uh, align that. I think there's also a really pivotal piece in relation to sales and the alignment with sales, depending on, on what the structure and setup is in relation to who's managing the renewal itself. Um, you know, if we fast track into the stage at Envision, um, at that time, when I first started at Envision, very much the CSM was responsible for retention and expansion, truly like the commercial discussions with customers. And then ultimately we realized that if we were going to help customers realize the value of their investment, having the customer success team solely focused on actually um, driving that value, building those relationships, creating you know plans with intended outcomes that the customers are looking to drive in terms of value and how then to execute against that, um, we realized that giving them the the time, space, and undivided attention to be able to do that meant renewals came off of their plate, even though they their inputs heavily influenced the outcomes that customers were ultimately able to produce as to whether they chose to renew or not. That's interesting. I want to dive into that a little bit further uh, down. I want to go back quickly to one thing in terms of like the compensation uh, plans that you mentioned and uh, like you realizing that there was a better way to do compensation. So in your opinion today, like what is a good way to work with compensation between sales and success? Yeah, I think at, at the end of the day, if the it, it first first you have to start with what is it that you're trying to get the teams to produce? Where do you want them to be focused? I mean, I, I we've I've seen a wide spectrum of different compensation models, and it's suffice to say that the one consistency is that whatever you choose to have within the CSM or the sales reps control in terms of how they make money is ultimately going to be where they focus their time and attention. So I think you have to start with like what is it that we want to produce um, and start there as kind of your baseline. I think the other tricky piece with compensation is do you focus on the inputs? Like what are the day-to-day -day actions and activities that you want CS to be operating against? Or is it the outcomes that you want to compensate them against, which is 
generally speaking, net dollar retention in the capacity of renewal dollars and expansion. And to me, from my experience, it's a hybrid of the two. Because if you go with the latter and you have CS solely focused on the outcomes, then they very much get into this kind of tailspin of, okay, what's coming up next quarter for my renewals? I'm going to double down on those accounts. What really matters is the 275 days from which a customer signs onwards. Those are the most influential days that ultimately decide, did they get enough value? Did they warrant the ongoing investment that they had originally made? And are they willing to, to expand on that investment? So I think you have to optimize for inputs and outcomes to strike that balance of where a CSM's focus is. It has to be within their control in terms of their ability to drive you know, financial gains for, for themselves. Um, and then when you throw in the dynamic of sales, it's, it depends on what it is, the responsibility and the relationship you would like between sales and customer success. But if it is about expanding revenue, then there has to be a shared and common goal so that there isn't conflict uh, and friction between those two teams. Uh, so making sure that you know they as a collective team have a common goal would be one strategy that I've seen to be very successful. If you have an enterprise sales team and you have an enterprise customer success team, collectively they have a shared net dollar retention target that they're looking to achieve. But again, that's dependent on what is the role of sales and the capacity of, of their focus and what is the, the same and the equivalent for customer success. Yeah, I, I like having the mix sort of the actions versus the outcomes, the inputs versus the outputs. Uh, I think this is something we spoke about with Stelly as well in terms of um, like a big issue for churn is when you maybe have unconfident sales team and just trying to close deals that aren't aligned with like the buyer personas that aren't typically may potentially even good customers for your business. So uh, aligning, first of all, just the sales team with good targets in terms of like closing deals, but also retention being part of the comp. Um, you're talking as well a bit from the customer success side now as well, is that like, I like the point that you made as well, is that you just go in a circular motion. If it's thinking, okay, my comp is related to somebody renewing, I'm going to focus who's renewing this next quarter. But ultimately the renewal doesn't happen in that next quarter. It happens like you said, the 275 days before the onboarding, making sure that your customers are getting successful, that they're taking the actions they need to take to extract the value from your product. So I like uh, sort of how you put it in the sense of having both uh, be a part of the conversation. And so when you say both as well, the inputs, like what would some of the typical inputs be looking for, for your CSMs to be driving as part of the comp plan? Yeah, um, this one is, isn't is like a, a clear winner. And I think one of the most common mistakes is that as, as a customer success, success leader, as a customer success team, you, you sit back and kind of hypothesize and, and come up with your own kind of ideas of here are all the things we need to do that's ultimately going to make a customer successful. But who we forget to ask uh, is the actual customer themselves <laughs> in terms of, you know, what is the experience they would like to, to have? What would help them drive further adoption of the product? What's blocking them from being able to do that today? So, I think a big, big piece in answering that question isn't just listening to whatever Sid has to say. It's uh, it's actually going and talking to your customers and, and understanding the emotions that they're going through as they initially purchased, as they've onboarded, as they've concluded onboarding to understand what, what those activities are. But generally speaking, they do fall into a, a couple core buckets and those buckets could be um, you know driving product adoption uh, and utilization. I think suffice to say that if someone has bought, you know, 
25 seats with the intent of those 25 seats being utilized and incorporating them into the core team's workflow. And you're looking at product adoption and you're seeing that, you know, only 10 of the 25 are being utilized. I think it's guaranteed like a recipe for disaster in terms of retention. Like, are they truly getting the value that they had originally intended to um, from their purchase? And what is it that's preventing it? So I think um, ideally you're looking for, for those objective measures that you can put in place that are very targeted that correlate late um, to, to a customer ultimately fulfilling the vision that they had when they purchased the tool in and of itself. So that would be one example. Yeah. I, I like that you made the point though as well, that it's uh, sometimes like people just resort to thinking things are intuitive and picking those sort of inputs uh, that are valuable to customers. But uh, ultimately, like there's nothing beats speaking to your customers and really understanding what is the main value they're driving and extracting from your product and how did they get there um, to sort of drive those inputs that you end up focusing on. Let's fast forward again then. So going to Envision, you mentioned something as well that at Envision, you were working success and the team realized in order to sort of maximize value for their customers, you couldn't have the CSM's focus on expansion and, and sales. So talk us through that a little bit. What was that like at the company at the time? Like, How did you see customer success evolve over the three years that you spent there? Yeah, it was actually incredible to see because when I first joined Envision, they had achieved like this incredible product market fit. Um, and Envision was just like where it was at, right? It was the, it came with a brand and a reputation in the market that was incredibly strong. And it was the the designer's tool of choice um, to be using for internal collaboration. And there was just a, a really incredible trajectory when I, when I first entered the scene Um at Envision, which, which was amazing. And what was interesting, you really look back in retrospect at that time, as a customer success manager, I operated more as an account manager uh, at that time. So for example, you know, my compensation was very much on the outcomes. It was very much on uh, expansion dollars, primarily being the focus. Retention was kind of a foregone conclusion. Uh, we were very much in a, in a well operating land and expand model. So customers were just continuing to, to want to buy more, my for, buy more, which was great. Um, and so what we realized as we nailed that kind of product market fit at the time, and as we focused on just continuing to expand these accounts and had this massive sales team doing it, both in the context of traditional sales reps, as well as myself operating in this capacity, as well as the rest of our customer success team, um, we missed the, the mark in terms of ensuring we sustained a pulse on onboarding and adoption. And so when I you know referenced the product adoption data, that really comes from a, a learning that I had had walking away from Envision where that wasn't something I was accountable to as a CSM. And it wasn't something my compensation was tied to. It was more the outcomes and how do, how do we just, you know, find more seats to be had in terms of white space versus actually helping a customer realize the value of the initial investment and then the secondary investment that they've made using our tool. So I would say that as those three years at Envision progressed, it became clearer and clearer that it's critical that if we're going to retain our base and give ourselves a shot truly of expanding you know, business further, it was going to be important that we shift the focus of customer success to drive our, our attention towards that adoption and the value realization. And that's where you know, it was really fulfilling to see the partnership with our sales team when we're in you know, a, a boardroom having a very 
very you know tough discussion of do we take renewals off of customer success managers this is how we've operated in this capacity for years at this point in time and at the same time when we surveyed the team to understand how much they were investing in terms of their time in commercial engagements with customers it was 40 percent at least and so we were like can we afford to have csm spending 40 percent of their time negotiating renewals with customers versus actually helping them you know create a plan uh, and understanding the outcomes they're looking to drive and then deploying that plan and, and driving adoption of the product and and we realized we we couldn't we had to make a shift uh in order to be strategic in, in helping customers realize the value that they intended to achieve so uh through the great partnership with our sales team uh we created an awesome renewal management team uh who started managing uh high touch uh, or sorry um low touch volume transactional renewals, which was great. And then we had our account managers, uh, AEs, um, step in to run more of the higher uh, valued uh, renewal motions as well. So a dynamic there that ultimately gave the customer success team the focus and attention to, to double down on overall value for customers. So to focus on customer success as opposed to company success. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, that was the that was the big kind of predicament we found ourselves in. It's like, you know, we came up with this plan, deploy, adopt motion. We called it PDA. And it's like, if we don't know what a customer is trying to achieve, aka we don't have a plan, um, then then what are we doing? Uh, really, we have to have a sense of structure. We have to have mutually shared understanding of the outcomes our customers are trying to achieve. And, you know, at Envision, we just had a wealth of resources. I mean, so many incredible expertise across that organization, but how we were choosing to deploy them arguably wasn't the most effective or efficient, but we could achieve that and deploy them effectively if we knew the intended outcomes customers were trying to drive. So truly formalizing a success plan and then the focus of the customer success manager being creating the strategies associated with the execution of that plan to help achieve those goals. Very nice. Um, how then as well, like, cause you mentioned at some point you realized, so in the beginning you had incredible product market fits and the team was just really focused on expansion revenue. I think this is something typically we see in like high growth startups that retention is masked due to the rapid growth. And you mm -hmm. only realize the problem once things start to slow down, once there becomes a little bit of competition in the market. So what was the turning point? Like, what was the conversations like in the beginning when they said, okay, wait a minute, we've maybe got this wrong. We really need to uh, double down on actual customer success and helping our customers achieve value as opposed to just trying to expand accounts and uh, drive more sales. Like, what were those conversations like? What were maybe some of the, the metrics that you were looking at at the time to say, okay, yes, this is the time now to actually make the switch? Yeah, um, I think I think you nailed it in terms of when you're in this hyper growth, things can be masked, right? On the surface, everything felt amazing, right? More revenue, everyone's thriving, new customers coming on, the logos are exciting. It just felt like a ton of momentum. But to your point, there, there was a shift. And I think the shift was things got harder, right? All of a sudden, renewals weren't a foregone conclusion. All of a sudden, it was, you know, we were having conversations about new competitors that were coming in and, and 
and having discussions with our customers. And all of a sudden we had kind of someone we had to compete against, if you will. Uh, and and I, that was a changing point. And then we looked at the data um, and saw that, you know, of the seats that have been sold, how many are, are actively being used? Um, are customers truly getting value just by a, a metric of adoption uh, of the product relative to the feature set that we had and the overall number of active users? And, and that coupled with just the feeling of the momentum shift and the challenge of the role itself to actually secure renewals relative to where it was before was what started to drive those conversations to go, do we have ourselves structured strategically in a way to ensure that, you know, we are truly driving adoption of, of the product and, you know, at Envision, that wasn't purely on customer success, right? There was a big motion happening with our product team. There was an, a big motion happening with our marketing team and yeah. how do we drive that effort? And I think that piece is really important. So often these items fall on the shoulders of customer success, but it really should be looked at holistically across the organization. How can we work in alignment together? Know that customer success and our customers are at the center of what we're trying to, to solve for, um, but there's massive gains that can be had. Uh, you know, I think of like Nicole Murphy and the growth marketing motion that she was working on um, at Envision that can really help get phenomenal lift from the product and driving that adoption without it coming down to assigning a CSM to, to do it purely alone. Absolutely. Uh, and I think this is one of the things actually we saw at Hotjar and it was only until we put together a growth uh, ceiling calculator and uh, we just modeled out what growth would look like at our current churn rate uh, with the current acquisition rate. And at what point sort of would we see a flat line in growth uh, with the current mm -hmm. metrics that we had? And that was probably one of the biggest eye openers uh, from our perspective is just really having that end point in mind thinking, okay, should like we're going to stop growing in the next 24 months if we don't make a change, if we don't um, do something different. So that's actually, there is a, a growth ceiling calculator on churn.fm. So if you visit churn.fm, uh, I put together in the tool section a growth ceiling calculator where you can add your current customers, how many you're acquiring per month and your monthly churn rate and what is, and then it'll model out um, the growth ceiling and let you know in sort of how many months uh, will you be hitting that ceiling and uh, give you an idea of sort of is hypergrowth masking your current uh, churn and retention rate because it is something that definitely we hear and see a lot as well um, from hypergrowth startups. But I like as well the point that you mentioned at some point that there was needed to be this alignment. Uh, what did that look like? At, at what point, like, where was this coming from? Like, was leadership saying, okay, we all really need now to rally around uh, retention? Like, how did they go about doing that within the company? Yeah, I mean, I think it was at all facets in terms of the levels uh, within the organization, right? You know, if you were a CSM, you were starting to feel th this change in the dynamic. If you were on the sales team, you were feeling that change in the dynamic, you know, as well, because you were starting to hear customers, uh, competitors come up in, in discussions with both customers and prospects as well. So I think it was it was a feeling that was felt across everyone. And I think Envision did a, a solid job of, of listening to the team. You know, what are you hearing on the front lines? How is this changing? And then, you know, I certainly in my role, like very much leveraged the team as advisors to me to help me understand, you know, the, the change in, in the motion so that I could be more educated in, in a leadership position in terms of making decisions. But um, I think, you know, looking at the looking at the growth that we expected for ourselves in the organization, looking at why, you know, we were unable to achieve what we were hoping to achieve and, and 
really digging in to unpack the why about five levels deeper, uh, that's where, you know, those conversations at the leadership team collective level was like, okay, why, why is this happening? Um, you know, for revenue in order for us to continue to repeat that land and expand motion that felt like we were in such a rhythm of achieving, what is that going to take to get it back on, on that path? And what we realized was we had done such a massive like new logo acquisition uh, at the time that, you know, then once we had acquired all of these amazing logos, that that was slowing. You know, we were just really starting to, to cover the market. And so it was all about you've got to retain the dollars that you've had because we've exceeded this threshold of new logo acquisition at the rate that we're going to experience it before. And now it's all about, you know, making kind of do what, with what you have. Um, and that was, you know, a conversation that was an open dialogue uh, with our sales partners and just at the leadership team as a collective whole. Uh, I think the other thing is we had values that uh, Envision rolled out uh, across the organization. And it was something that people did an amazing job of just like consistently reinforcing in a drumbeat. And one of those values was co-ownership. Um, and I think that we all just leaned into upholding ourselves to being co-owners of the business. And in order for us to achieve what we all have the vision of achieving for the company, we're going to need to make a change. And that may mean looking at our own respective functions and going, we're going to need to do things differently. Um, and that was, I would say, how the sales leadership team approached that conversation. You know, it was, look, for the betterment of the business, we know this is the right thing to do, taking commercials and renewals off of customer success so we can focus on them. And okay, great. Love that we're aligned on that. How do we put this into practice? So I think that setting those values as an organization, you know, can be highly influential in everyone striving towards a North Star that allows you to work through these very difficult decisions when you're feeling a change in the business and you're trying to figure out what next, um, leaning towards, well, what do we, what are we ultimately trying to achieve? What are we upholding ourselves to very much helped kind of remove the friction that I've often seen occur in these types of dynamics. Yeah, I like that uh, value as well of co-ownership, uh, really sort of trying to remove the silos that get created uh, within the org and really just having everybody responsible and everybody drumming to the same beat. Um, let's fast forward then quickly. Let's go to Catalyst. What would you say is your number one challenge today uh, within customer success at Catalyst? Yeah. So, and let us know um, as well, sorry, what Catalyst is and what it does, because I gave a brief intro, but be good for um, to share a bit more. Yeah, for sure. So Catalyst is a customer success platform. So we're working with amazing companies who are looking to optimize their workflows and basically have all of their customer data in one single location so that their customer success teams can focus more on the actions and, and value add activities for their customers and not be scrambling all over the map, trying to get a pulse on, on their customer base, their book of business and what actions they should be she, should be doing next. Um, so that that is uh, that is Catalyst. I would say one of the, the biggest challenges, the biggest challenge right now is we're still early uh, ourselves, right? And uh, we're trying to define our motions as a customer success team, define the experiences that we deliver our, our customers. And it just feels like there's no room for error in the bar, right? You are a customer success team um, serving customer success professionals. They are the highest of high uh, expectations in terms of the experience you're looking to deliver. So I would say that that's the, the biggest challenge 
challenge. Uh, and the, the biggest you know, piece that kind of weighs on my mind right now is we're growing quickly. Uh, there are a lot of moving pieces. We are early in defining our processes uh, and it just you know, maybe a weight that I just put on myself, but feel like there really is no no room for error um, because you have the the highest critiquers uh, that there are, which I appreciate and I feel like gives me the the drive to continue to enhance our our experience. But that would that would be the biggest piece for me. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it's sort of uh, it's pretty meta as well that you have customer success serving customer success with a customer success platform. Um, so I can see as well, I, I probably feel the pressure too, uh, morning to have <laughs> yeah. the, the best service. Uh, what does that best service look like then at this stage? Like how big is the team? Uh, what are some of the key areas that you like have identified as the place to get started? Yeah, so we have a, a team of five, uh, and that includes kind of three functions within customer success. So our onboarding team, um, and then we've got our customer success team, and then we've got support. So in each respective areas, there's definitely motions that we're working on. I think from an implementation and onboarding standpoint, our focus is on what is that experience between sales and onboarding to really make it smooth and seamless for a customer. Every time I've experienced customer feedback, you know, pre-catalyst days in the context of that handoff, you repeatedly hear customers saying, I already shared this with your sales rep or like, do I literally have to repeat myself again? That's I shared this with someone thing. on your team, yeah. right? And so it's like, okay, great. Knowing that that is one of the most common pain points that exists, you know, with this motion, what does, you know, perfecting that to the best of our ability look like in the context of, of Catalyst? And so that's working incredibly close with Kevin, who, who runs uh, sales at, uh, at Catalyst, that's working with his team and, and my respective uh, Kyle and Joe, who are our implementation managers and, and working through that motion. So that would be like one example that's an area of focus in terms of the overall customer experience there, taking the known pain points, um, and also like being so early uh, at Catalyst, we're onboarding a ton of customers. We're learning so much so fast. And so how do we take those learnings and really give ourselves the time and the space to go, how do we take that learning and how do we be proactive so that that experience is smoother for a customer? You know, kind of one of those gotcha moments that often <laughs> unfold and you're like, great, how do we not have, you know, two gotcha moments Um from the same source and really make sure that we put in those foundational pieces in terms of processes, in terms of communication structure for our customers to make that, that experience even smoother. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to customer success management, we're heavily focused on what is that motion um, that customers value, value most from us. And again, going back to the feedback of, you know, you and I could spin our wheels and, and myself and my team could spin our wheels consecutively in terms of what experience we want to deliver, but really, you know, our customers feedback and what they feel they need based on where they are in their journey is what really should be most influential in helping us shape that motion. You know, what are the engagements? What are the touch points? What is the value a customer's looking to do that from that? And I think that that's where you get these like disciplines and this discipline span all of customer success, but you know, having the wherewithal to send an agenda in advance and go, help me understand, you know, the outcome that you're looking to drive from our call, you know, Thursday. Um, 
and getting a response and then catering that agenda based on the outcome that the recipient, in this case, the customer is looking to receive and then starting that call with, thanks so much for sending over the agenda, you know, per your guidance, this is the outcome that we're looking to drive. Here's the agenda that I feel corresponds with this, anything we want to add and just have everything incredibly buttoned up. So that's the experience we're optimizing for in the customer success motion. And then Victoria in support is doing an amazing job rolling out a new uh, experience for us uh, on the support front, uh, particularly around our knowledge base and, and beefing that up to be more self-serve and, and big piece of feedback that I got from customers in my first 30 days and, and being on as many customer calls as I could was we'd love to hear how other Catalyst customers are using Catalyst. So we've really doubled down this quarter with my team and having an OKR of coming up with content that allows for customers to, to self-serve themselves if they have any particular questions relative to the product, but also provide more inspiring insights into here's how other customers are using Catalyst because Catalyst, the beauty of it, it's incredibly flexible. As a CSM, you can set up dashboards for yourself with the intel that you're looking to receive in relation to your book. But part of it is like this creative freedom. Uh, and so everyone's looking for that creative influence from others. So those would be another big, big piece of, of focus for us right now. Yeah, freedom of choice as well, and uh, not having sort of a clear structure sometimes can also almost feel like intimidating. So giving good guidance, good templates, I can definitely see. Exactly, yeah. Nice. Uh, I see we're actually running up on time. Uh, so I want to save time for a couple of questions that I ask every guest that joins the show. First one is, let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now. You join a new company, churn and retention is not doing great. The CEO comes to you and says, hey, Sydney, like we need to turn things around. We have 90 days you're in charge. What do you do? <laughs> Where do you start? So I think there's, there's two kinds of channels. The first is getting your, getting your hands on the objective data. If you can, what are any data points we have to look at in terms of who our customers are, the segmentation of those customers, characteristics and the overall adoption. Um, but objectives aside in terms of the, the data, it's getting on calls with, with customers. Uh, and I think it's, asking a very pointed question, which was ultimately my favorite question uh, as a CSM. And it's still a question that I asked today, which was, you know, if your renewal was tomorrow, would you renew? And I always ask for direct honesty. And if the answer is no, I'm like, I appreciate that. What do you need to see between now and your renewal that would change your mind? And often you get a very interesting dialogue in terms of where you're falling short, why you're falling short, and what the other influencers are in your customer's eyes that are impacting their decision to not want to move forward. So I think you really have to, to do that. Now, as a leader, you're, you're one person. So I think at that point in time, you're looking and assessing your team and you're going, here's our North Star. We need to get an understanding of why customers are churning. And this is the one pointed question we're going to go and ask every single customer um, and come back with our data points and start to identify those themes. And once those themes have been identified, then working backwards to say, okay, where are we falling short in the experience we're delivering our customers to help optimize for bridging those, those gaps? Um, that's definitely something that I found to be incredibly helpful. And if you have customers who have churned, um, spending time with them as well. I think that's a really great practice to have a, you know, kind of post churn call, if you will, to go, where, where did things go off the rails? You had, you purchased with the best of intentions and now we're at a state of churn. Walk me through what happened when, and if we were to do it all over again, where do you think we could have, you know, changed the trajectory of where we landed? 
Yeah, I really like the question as well that you mentioned. It actually reminded me of like a post-purchase question uh, we used to ask at Hotjar and we recommend it as well to, to our customers is um, what nearly stopped you from buying today or from converting mm. today? Um, and I think maybe you could even flip it in the context of uh, renewals and uh, maybe just after renewal happens is like what nearly stopped you from renewing today? Um, and I think why it's really effective asking somebody who's actually just done the action of renewal is those are the customers that you want to be keeping and you want to be understanding, okay, what was it that nearly stopped them? The ones that actually went through it, but there was maybe some barriers and it, it's similar approach to what you're asking in the sense of like, if you had to renew tomorrow, what would it be? Um, but I, I really like that as a viewpoint of just having the understanding of like, what are some of the things that we can be doing better and just framing it a little bit instead of like going to post churn surveys and trying to understand what people did but really focusing on maybe some what are some of those things that nearly stop people from getting through that uh, last hurdle that renewal hurdle yeah um, and i think often people default to like you know the surveys and i understand there there's a lot of like you know kind of scale if you will with surveys but i think sometimes you just have to put in the time and you've got to you, if it's a priority to understand churn like make the time to have the meaningful person-to-person conversations because you will walk away with a significantly higher number of insights from a dialogue um, than you will in terms of what a survey data point can give you. So I think that that piece is, is not to be missed either. For sure. Last question then. What's one thing that you know today about churn and retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career? Ooh, one thing. I would say that... Um, what I wish I knew was that it isn't easy. I mean, I, I think I think when I started in customer success, I was of the belief that there's a recipe and there's a perfect way to do this and I just have to figure it out. <laughs> um, but, and I put so much pressure on that. But what I realized in time is, you know, you and I were chatting, there is no silver bullet to customer success. And, you know, experimentation is actually incredibly valuable. Um, Catalyst just launched this amazing ebook on, you know, kind of these hot debate topics and customer success. And it's so split in terms of these key areas and, and people's perspectives on what the right way or wrong way of doing it is. And I think that's truly by nature of the fact like there is no right way. What you have to do is start with your customers, have an understanding of, of the value they're looking to achieve, and then build backwards from that in terms of how do you help them achieve it? And what are the experiences that you deliver along the way that build a stronger, tighter relationship with those customers? So I think that I put a lot of pressure on myself and probably constricted my creativity, if you will, at times uh, early in my career. And what I wish I knew now is that there is no silver bullet. Like, don't withhold creativity. Have an understanding of the outcomes that you're looking to drive and how you measure it, but have fun and be creative along the way. So in short, just screw best practices, speak to your customers <laughs> and figure out what they want. Yeah, exactly. You'll, uh, you'll define best practices over time, but I don't think there is like a, a set best practice for every for single every organization company. that's completely yeah. applicable and not confining yourself to that. This is just the way that it needs to be. I think if I look at how customer success was done at Influitive versus Envision, there's so many, or even Polar, there's so many great nuggets that worked for each of those respective functions and businesses at the time that actually do not work in other areas. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I think this is also definitely one of the reasons why I stay away from talking about metrics and numbers on the show, because I think benchmarking is absolute bullshit when it comes to general attention, just because of the number of different influences that can impact the number that you have for your specific company. It's so unique to the customers you're serving, the market that you're in, your stage of growth. Um, so it's really important just to understand where you're at and what you can do to improve your point in time and not looking around and seeing what others are doing, because uh, with this type of role, this job, uh, it, it is so unique uh, and you just basically like you say you might build your own best practices over time for your own company but you might move to a new company and then it's totally different you start all over again you need to try and figure out and understand and just go back to speaking to customers uh, always is the central focus so Sydney it's been a pleasure chatting to you today uh, is there any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with anything they should be aware of or how they can keep up to speed with your work I mean just uh, follow 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 me on LinkedIn if you if you want to uh, follow me there. We've got great content from Catalyst uh, on our blog as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it's a journey, right? We're all trying to, to figure it out. But I think what matters most is are we have, having fun doing it? There are tough days. There are fun days. Uh, it's all part of the ride. And uh, yeah, just uh, if you're passionate about customer success, keep on with your passion and uh, continue to invest in yourself and your learnings and good things will happen. Awesome. Yeah, well, thanks so much for joining. Uh, wish you best of luck now going forward. My pleasure. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, Subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.